Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. I promise you, I didn't want to do this. I had every intention of talking about the playoffs, or maybe even Zion Williamson throwing down dunks in pregame warm-ups and what that all means. Something anything other than what I'm going to devote this episode to, which is the lie that LeBron James had to shoot and score as he never has before in his career in order for the Lakers to have any chance to win. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, Buker, aren't we past this at this point? And I would say you would think that we were. My reason for giving this one last look is mainly because I was bombarded for the last two weeks on first things first with how the Lakers' record was so much better when LeBron scored 30-plus points than when he didn't. And I was reminded of the supporting cast that he had versus a couple of other players, namely Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic, who are in the playoffs right now, who I would argue did not have supporting casts as talented as the one that the Lakers had, particularly when it came to scoring. So uh, this could also be that I did first things first again today, and now I'm triggered every time I see Nick Wright, uh, one of the hosts, even if I'm even if we're not talking about the subject. But in any case, that record was used by Nick in particular, and somewhat by Chris Broussard. Uh, as proof that LeBron wasn't chasing the scoring title, but simply doing what he believed to be best to help the Lakers win as many games as possible. Now, please keep that in mind, what I just said. LeBron wasn't chasing the scoring title or the overall scoring record, still held by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but simply doing what he, LeBron, believed to be best to help the Lakers win as many games as possible. Now, 
What I'm about to talk about required a hell of a lot of statistical digging and sorting. And I'm not opposed to statistics and analytics as much as I am how they're utilized. What I don't like and vehemently disagree with is starting with statistics to tell the story. I disagree with it because it requires extrapolating what actually happened on the court based on the numbers as opposed to watching the game and then using like I don't need to figure out what happened on the floor if I watched I don't need to look at the numbers and then have them tell me what happened on the floor if I watch first we all know how misleading a box score can be. How a player shooting 50% or better doesn't mean he had a good shooting night because it doesn't tell us when those shots were made or how. It just means he made more than half of his shots. It doesn't tell us the quality of the shots or if there were shots he should have taken and didn't. Maybe he should have taken way more than however many shots he took. It is a guaranteed eye roll for me when someone looks at a player's stat line and concludes, well, he did his job. He just didn't get enough help. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> if he shot 50%, but he only took 12 shots, Maybe he needed to take 20. Maybe he needed to take 25. Maybe he needed to shoot 45%, as strange as that may sound, but take more shots and shots in more important parts of the game. So, bottom line is, the stat line tells us nothing of the sort. My approach, my approach, is to watch games and players, and when I detect something, a trend, a habit, a strength, a weakness, whatever, then I'll check the analytics to see if they support what I'm seeing. For example, I've noticed that Steph Curry has not been finishing at the rim this season the way I remember him finishing during their championship contending years. I got the impression that he's taking more five and seven foot runners and that when he is getting all the way to the rim, the ball is not going in at the same rate. So I checked basketball references data on percentage of shots a player takes at different distances and what the player shoots percentage wise from those distances. And sure enough, the numbers show that Steph not only took the fewest shots at the rim for a season, since the 2012-2013 season, he shot his worst percentage from within three feet since his pre-championship days. Now, no one wants to hear that Steph may be less than otherworldly these days or one of the reasons the Warriors' offense was decidedly middle of the pack this season any more than they want to hear that LeBron may have had his eye on closing the distance between him and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the all-time scoring list, or adding a notable jewel to his crown by winning a scoring title at the ripe old age of 37. But I'm not here to tell anyone what they want to hear. I am here to share, as I mentioned at the top of every episode, what you're not likely to hear anywhere else. And if that offends you, I'm sure there are other podcasts out there that sing the praises of your favorite player without discretion. There are just no sacred cows here on OTB. The questions I had about LeBron's focus began, as they did with Steph, because of what I was seeing in games. 
It seemed to me that this season I was seeing him log a lot more minutes in the fourth quarter of games that already had been decided, one way or the other. So I went through some of the more lopsided games the Lakers played, both this season and last season, and compared them. Let's begin with the 2021 season, last year. The Lakers had quite a few lopsided victories, as well as a few lopsided losses, more of the former than the latter. In the second game of the season, they stomped the Dallas Mavericks by 23, and LeBron logged just over 31 minutes, four and a half of them in the fourth quarter before calling it a night. He finished with 22 points and 10 assists. In the third game of the season, they crushed the Timberwolves by 36, and LeBron watched the entire fourth quarter from the bench, happy to finish with 18 points. In a 29-point win over the Thunder, he scored 26, while only playing 2 minutes and 45 seconds of the final period. In a 17-point loss to Denver, he played 4 minutes in the fourth quarter before the Lakers decided it wasn't worth his time and he finished with 26 points. In a 25-point loss to the Utah Jazz, he had 19 points in part because he didn't play a minute of the fourth quarter. In a 26-point win over the Warriors, he sat the entire fourth quarter as well, finishing with 19 points. He took a slightly different approach in another Warriors blowout, this time by 31, playing five and a half minutes in the fourth quarter and adding seven points to reach 22 before calling it a night. 
LeBron was out there playing against C.J. Ellaby, Reggie Perry, and Cameron McGriff. And no, I don't know all of those guys. A week later, and I dare say you don't either, a week later, in a 16-point win over the Hawks, he played nearly nine and a half minutes in the fourth quarter, scoring 17 of his 32 points, even though Atlanta never got within single digits the entire period. Two weeks later, in a 37-point loss to the Nuggets, LeBron played a little over four minutes to add four points, pushing his total to 25. And who can forget when the Lakers lost by seven to the Pacers? It should have been nine, but LeBron played the entire fourth quarter and reached 30 points by cruising in uncontested to score a layup, layup at the buzzer, with Kareem sitting courtside, no less. I don't think I could have done that with the guy I'm chasing sitting right there, sneaking a cheap one in like that, unless I looked over and winked at him to let him know I was doing it on purpose. Pretending that it's something you always do, which has never been the case with LeBron, but is the way he carried himself in taking that layup, versus something you're doing now because every point gets you closer to one of the all-time records, hits way different. The first takes an enormous amount of gall. The second, I'd say, is chutzpah, as in, yeah, I'm going for every point because I'm coming for your record. And there's nothing you can do about it sitting over there courtside. Sorry, not sorry. Or how about the game in late March in Cleveland when the Cavs waved the white flag with 95 seconds left but LeBron stayed in to take three more shots in the next 35 seconds, missing all of them, while looking to add to his total of 38 that night. You can't tell me he wouldn't, wasn't trying to get to 40. Didn't know, can't tell me he didn't know what he had and what having another 40-piece would look like. For the scoring title, for the headlines the next day, for everything. That's why... Simply using the games he scored 30 plus points or more versus ones he scored under 30 and the Lakers record in those games doesn't really tell the story or serve as an explanation for why he averaged career highs in shots attempted as well as threes attempted both per 36 minutes and 100, 100 possessions, every 100 possessions. It conveniently ignores all the games he stayed in, even with the outcome decided, to make his point total respectable, even if it didn't reach 30-plus, or he just stuck around to score more points, whatever, whatever he could get out of it. Now, those who would argue, and have argued, that LeBron has never operated this way before are right to a certain extent. He's never operated this way before when it comes to scoring. In other things, efficiency, he's always been aware of his box score. Always. Always aware of that. And has always wanted it to be a look, to look efficient. That was the number one thing. I can just never recall him playing meaningless minutes as far as the outcome is concerned as much as he did this year. But that's what made this season so curious. That's what caught my attention. And I know that I'm not alone. I know many of you saw the same thing. Yes, he opted out not to play in the last three games on a sore ankle, 
thereby failing to play in enough games to qualify for the scoring title. That doesn't mean he wasn't chasing it. Isn't it worth noting that he was trailing Joel Embiid when he decided to shut it down and the chances of him scoring enough to overtake Joel on a bad ankle weren't very good, especially with at least one of those two last games that he had to play being against either the Nuggets who had last beat him by 37 while holding him to 25 on 23 shots, or the Warriors, the number one ranked defense in the league. Looking at the season as a whole, I find it interesting that LeBron had only five games where he scored less than 20 points. And not because he didn't try to score more in those games. In three of them, he attempted... 19, 19, and 21 shots. It's not that he didn't shoot. He just didn't shoot well. And in his season low, 10 points against Detroit, he was ejected after bloodying Isaiah Stewart and played barely more than 20 minutes and was suspended the next game. These were not the only examples I found, just the most obvious ones. I don't know if he came into the season with scoring as part of his focus, Although he did say in an episode of his show, The Shop, aired during the season, that it bothered him that he wasn't regarded as a top scorer in the league. So it was clearly on his mind. And I have no way of proving that scoring became more important to him than anything else. But for someone who has been very conscious the last few years of utilizing his minutes in the most efficient way possible for his overall game, He sure did log a lot of minutes when they weren't necessary. And you have to think that if maybe he had played fewer minutes, he had rested more fourth quarters, that he might have had a little more energy to expend at the defensive end or in other ways. I I don't know how you deny any of that. Now, I imagine some of you were thinking, at least at the start of this episode. Come on, Rick, let it go. You seem a little obsessed with LeBron and this scoring title chase narrative. And that might be true. It's hard for me to quit a fight until I'm sure it's over. Actually, it's hard for me to quit anything until it's over. But I promise this was it for me. I might reference this season and LeBron's quest at some point in the future, but I'm not going to revisit in full, certainly not here on the podcast. And should any of your friends dispute the idea that LeBron had the scoring title in mind this season, or you need or are asking for evidence of that, refer them to this episode. It's all there, or at least enough of it. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Recast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. So, now that we have that out of the way, we can get back to all of the playoff action. And we will. We've got a lot to talk about. May get into the whole idea of MVP and regular season MVP and whether the postseason should be a referendum on what's happening to Nikola Jokic versus Joel Embiid or Giannis Antetokounmpo. Or maybe we may get into the young stars, Jordan Poole and Anthony Edwards and some of the young studs that we're seeing, Tyrese Maxey, 
that are presenting themselves? Are they ready to take over the league? Or do the old heads still have something left? Lots to get into, and we will in the next episode. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.